1 Corinthians chapter 13, just a little real quick before I read it, because you see this word charity. The Apostle Paul uses the Greek word agape. The word agape is translated here in the King James that I'll be reading from. is translated as charity. If you've got American Standard English Revised, New King James, many other versions, they've changed that word to love. But I want you to understand the Greek word agape means affection, benevolence, love, or charity. So all four words mean the same thing in the original text coming together. <laughs> the, the word charity means to love others. Uh, the definition says that disposition of the heart, which inclines men to think favorably of their own fellow men. Now, I assure you, for those of you who went to Scott Gray's Sunday school class, I listened to Sunday school this morning, you're going to swear we talked to one another, but we didn't. But what we did talk to is the same God clearly led by the same Holy Spirit who clearly has something to say to this church about loving your neighbor, has something to say to this church about loving people and ministries that go out that, that love. So this morning, 1 Corinthians chapter 13, we're going to begin reading here in verse number one. He says, though I speak with the tongues of men and of angels, and I have not charity, I'm become as a sounding brass or tinkling symbol. Paul says, I can say whatever I want. I can go out in the community. I can talk a good game. I can preach a good message. I can talk all I want with my lips. But if it is not led by a heart of love, it will mean absolutely nothing. I, though I have the gift of prophecy and understand all mysteries and knowledge, and though I have all faith so that I could remove mountains, I have not charity, I'm nothing. Though I bestow all my goods to feed the poor, and though I give my body to be burned, and have not charity, profiteth me nothing. Charity suffereth long and is kind. Charity envieth not, vaunteth not itself, is not puffed up, doth not behave itself unseemly, seeketh not her own, is not easily provoked, thinketh no evil. Rejoiceth not in iniquity, but rejoiceth in the truth. Beareth all things, believeth all things, hopeth all things, endureth all things. Verse number 80 says, charity never faileth. And then Paul goes on to talk about gifts of the spirits, which, which will serve their purpose and will come to an end. Faith will one day end. When my faith becomes my sight, I will no longer need faith. I operate now by faith, but faith will end. And so Paul lists these things. He says, all of these other things will come to an end, but love Never will. I want to look this morning for just a few minutes at unconditional love. God, thank you so much for your unconditional love for us. Thank you for your long suffering, for your patience. God, thank you for working in us, for, for building faith in us. God, thank you for the prophecy of the Old Testament fulfilled in the New. Thank you for the prophecy of Revelation that will be filled in time to come. But I thank you, God, that those things will end. But your love for us will never end. There'll never be a day that you do not love us exactly the same. And you've instructed us to love others in the same way, God. I pray, Father, would you meet with us this morning? I pray you give us a heart of love, a heart of compassion, a heart of understanding. God, I pray you help us to be like Christ, Lord, the very thing that we're supposed to do. Lord, we pray above all, most of all, may you be pleased with everything we do. We love you, Father. We thank and we praise you in Jesus' name. And all God's people said, amen. I'm going to start out by killing your spirit again and recommending another book to you. You're like, look, man, you can get off. I ain't bought the last one yet. I told you I hate to read. Well, that's all right. I'm going to keep dabbling. I, I promise you this. I will never recommend a book that did not cut me. 
My son sent me a text yesterday. He said, that's another reason I hate reading. I always feel like I'm in trouble. He underlined some stuff. You know how we're all doing wrong? I said, you're not getting in trouble. You've been educated. That's what books do. They, they teach us things, especially when you're reading the Word of God. He was actually reading some stuff out of the Bible. But I do, I do want to recommend another little book, and I promise if it didn't help me, I, I, I wouldn't tell it. This, this little book was, was first published in 1874. A couple days old, right? Sold over 12 million copies. It really ain't much more than a pamphlet. Look, man, I mean, it's even, it's even written big. It's got big. Look, those two whole pages are gone. There's only 55 pages. So this is like a 30-minute read, an hour if you take your time sipping on your coffee and eat a couple of donuts, right? But, but the title of it, this thing is written by Henry Drummond. I guess I'm saying that right. It's the way it looks to me. Henry Drummond. It, it, as a matter of fact, it's on the back of your bulletin. If you want to look there, I put it so you, you could find to be back there. The greatest thing in the world. It was like four bucks on Amazon, as good as four dollars as I've spent in a long time. Can, can I tell you God can use men to help us understand some things in the Bible? Maybe, maybe I didn't. Scholars, theologians, really smart people, good preachers all around the world. Can I tell you, those guys can help us understand some things. God, God gives people gifts of understanding and gifts of translating and gifts of, of taking and sharing back out. And, and I glean from the wisdom of people. I'm very thankful for people ahead of us. And this one was quite a ways ahead of us. But he deals with the same thing in the 1800s that we deal with today. And that is loving people. It's not, it's not a new thing. He starts out this book by posing the question, what is love? And then he begins to deal with nine components that, that the Apostle Paul talks about here in, in chapter 13, some of the things we're looking at. You know, in Galatians 5, 22, when, when Paul lists the fruit of the Spirit, he talks about joy, peace, long-suffering, um, gentleness, goodness, um, faith, and meekness. All of, all of those came after love. So what that tells me is that love is the first fruit of the Spirit. If I don't love people, I'm not going to be gentle. If I don't love people, I'm not going to have meekness. If I don't love people, I'm not going to be kind. So what he says out of all of these fruits of the Spirit, the first one of key importance is that we love people. How many of you, has anybody ever asked you to do something, you go, I just can't do that? Yeah, I'm, I'm with you. There's some things we just can't do, right? See, people come up and ask, and, you know, a lot of times loving people falls into that category. It would be easy if it just wasn't for people. Y'all go ahead. You ain't, about, you ain't got about super spiritual. You know where I'm at. People would be easy to love if it wasn't for people. We all going to get on the same page or we just, we just. Well, I just, I just, I just, I just can't love people. I mean, man, you know, I, I can love people until I go to Walmart. <laughs> I, I, I can love people until I get in the car and try to drive behind these nutcases. Who gave them driver's license? I can love people, but, but I, I just can't. And, and then that, that part about love our enemies, yeah. That one that said all that stuff about me, that one that did all that stuff to me, I, I, I just can't do that. It was easy to say, I, I can't do that. But the word of God says, yes, you can. Uh-oh. It's easy to say I can't, but God says, yes, you can. Moses said, I can't, but he did. Abraham, Sarah, we're too old, I can't, but they did. 
Esther's sitting up there in the temple with the king, and, and Mordecai sends her a message to go in. She says, I can't. But she did. And she changed the course of the entire nation of Israel because she did. Well, we have the same kind of example here in the Apostle Paul when it comes to dealing with love. It's easy for us to say, I'm just not that kind of person. I'm just not that lovey-dovey guy. I'm just not that lovey kind of woman. But, but the Apostle Paul isn't either. See, that's true of the old me. But remember, old things passed away. Behold, all things become new. Who you were and who you're going to be can't be the same thing. You may not have loved people then, but you can't be in love with Christ and not be in love with people now. So, so who we were has nothing to do with who we are, and who we are has nothing to do with who we're going to be if we just let Christ do some things through us. You take a look at the Apostle Paul. Love is not one of his strong points. Not in old things that passed away. When Saul met Jesus Christ on the road to Damascus, he had blood on his hands. Saul held the coats of the ones that martyred Stephen, one of the first seven uh, deacons of the church. Saul was on his way to Damascus to kill some folks, Christian folks, not just anybody, not a bunch of thieves or murderers, not the people that made him mad. Well, those people made him mad because Christians made him mad. So he's got blood on his hands. He's on his way to the master to spill more. You're talking about a ruthless kind of guy. This is the guy that observed as, as they killed fathers in front of children, killed husbands in front of wives. This ain't like just a little Sunday school lesson. This is a ruthless kind of guy. But Jesus made a difference. See, love wasn't Saul's strong point. Now, Saul got a name changed, but so did you. You got a name written down in glory. You don't even know what it is. You got a seal upon your forehead that you can't see, but the devil can, and he can't touch you because you belong to the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. And there's a seal that says, this one belongs to me. Don't you touch him except I allow it. So we got a new name. We're supposed to have a new personality. We're supposed to be a, a, a different kind of people. So... There on your bulletin, you've got one that, that came from the book. Love for people wasn't Saul's strong points, but Christ made a difference. On page 33, he said, time doesn't change people. Christ does. You hear people say things all the time. Well, man, just give it time. Just give, anybody ever told you just give it time? I'm not a patient person. That's not going to really sit well with me. When anybody wait on something, something's going wrong back, just give it time, right? Well, well just, just give it time. It, it'll, it'll all be okay. Just, just give it time. It'll work itself out. No, it won't. I, I'm, I'm giving you a free. No, it won't. Time won't do diddly squat except pass by. Time does nothing. It's what you do with time that matters. It's what we choose to do and how we use time. It, time doesn't change people. Jesus Christ changes people. Philippians chapter 2 verse 5 says, Let this mind be in you, which also is in Christ Jesus. The mind of Jesus Christ is love. John 13, 34, 35. I use it all the time. A new commandment I give unto you that you love one another. As I have loved you, that ye also love one another. By this, not by anything else. Not by your good deeds. Not by your charities. Not by what you give to the poor. Not by how you... But by this, by this one thing that you have loved one another, shall all men know that ye are my disciples. 
That's what Jesus said. John chapter 15, he said in verse number 9, As the Father has loved me, so I have loved you. Continue ye in my love. If you keep my commandments, you shall abide in my love, even as I've kept the Father's commandments and abide in his love. John chapter 15, verse 11, These things have I spoken unto you, that my joy might remain in you, and that your joy might be full. This is my commandment, that you love one another as I've loved you. Paul has come a long way from when he was Saul when it comes to grace and compassion. This is a whole new creature. All things are passed away. This is the perfect picture of what you and I ought to be. The old one is crucified, dead and gone at the cross. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Drumming on page 19 here, this little booklet. He says, you can, you can take nothing greater to the world than the impress and reflection of the love of God upon your character. He says, love is a universal language that anyone can understand. You can go to foreign lands and you can take years to learn their language, but love is understood the minute you get off the plane. He says, it is the man who is the missionary, not his words. His character is his message. And then he asked the, the question, what is the supreme good? You only have one life to live. You only get to live it once. What is the noblest object of desire? And the answer is the question. It's love. We've been told that the greatest thing is faith. But yet the apostle Paul says, though I have faith so that I can remove mountains and have not charity, I'm nothing. See, the truth is faith is going to be gone. When we see Jesus face to face, you're not going to have faith anymore. You're not going to need it. I have faith right now. My faith says this is the infallible word of the living God. Everything in it from in the beginning of amen was written by the Holy Spirit of God as he moved upon men that, pan, that, that penned it. And this is the word of God. That is my faith. I have faith that the last book says that Jesus is, is going to come back because he promised me that he's going to go prepare a place for him and he's going to come get me and take me to where he is. And Revelation talks all about that place. And I've read all about the, the walls garnished with all manner of precious stones and the streets uh, of gold and, and the crystal sea and all the things present. And the four beasts and the 24 elders round about the throne crying, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty who was and is and is to come. That takes place 24-7. It never stops. I believe that by faith. I will no longer believe it by faith when I stand in the presence of the four beasts and the 24 elders and together with them cry, holy, holy, holy. It won't be by faith. It'll be by experience because I will be there. Faith will come and faith will go, but love will never stop. There will never come a time in all of eternity that God will stop loving me or that we can stop loving each other. He says, love never fails. First Peter says in chapter 4 and verse 8, Above all things, I have fervent charity among yourselves. For charity, love shall cover the multitude of sins. First John 4, 8, Beloved, let us love one another. For love is of God, and everyone that loveth is born of God and knoweth God. He that loveth not knoweth not God. For God is love. Love is the fulfillment of the law. Jesus said there's only really two great commandments. The first and greatest commandment. Love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, soul, mind, and strength. This is the first and greatest commandment. He said the second is like unto it. Thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. But he added this little tag right here. On these two commandments hang all the law and the prophets. You know what the law and the prophets is? Everything in the Old Testament. That was the law and the prophets. 
That's where we have the Ten Commandments, right? Everybody knows there's Ten Commandments? Given to Moses by God on the tablets. You know the whole story. Now, I've never counted them. Scholars tell me there's 613 Levitical law. I don't know that, but I know there's a bunch of them. How many are reading the Bible through in a year right now? There's a bunch of them. I ain't counting them, but, but the scholars seem to, to agree that there's 613 of those Levitical law to go with the Ten Commandments. So you've got all these laws. And here's what Jesus said. Keep these two commandments and you'll live holy. Keep these two commandments. Love God, love your neighbor, and you will never break a law of God. Jesus says, look, it really is this simple. If you love God, you're not going to disobey God. If you love God, you'll not worship other gods. If you love God, you'll not have any other God before me. If you love God, you'll not take the name of the Lord thy God in vain. He says when it comes to your neighbor, if you love your neighbor, you're not going to steal from him. If you love your neighbor, you're not going to bear false witness against him. If you love your neighbor, you're not going to murder your neighbor. Jesus says it really is. Here it is in its simplest form. Love God, love people, hang all the rest of the law. All you got to keep, you know, when you look at Ten Commandments, and you look at all the 613 Levitical law, and you look all there, seems pretty challenging, doesn't it? The truth is, no man could keep it, or Jesus Christ came for nothing. The fact that we couldn't keep all the law. But here's what he said. I'm not even going to get into James and the unruly tongue and all that. If we could just deal with the tongue, we would help ourselves a lot. But what Jesus says, don't worry about memorizing all that stuff. Just do this right here. Love God, love people. You'll keep the rest. Because you won't do anybody wrong if you really love them. So the first thing we see in verse number four is that love suffereth long. In other words, love is patient. Love, love understands some things. Love is more than, than just long suffering. It is self-restraint when compelled by the flesh to retaliate. Anybody know what I'm talking about? Mark Pritchett, oh, three or four weeks ago, he put this on Instagram. Getting even with someone who hurt you means you're no different than them. Don't be that person. Love suffereth long. That, that means it's never looking to get even. Paul says, love is kind. Patience and long suffering waits. Kindness has to go into action. See, see, we, we want to be impatient and not wait, but kindness will wait. We'll do it later. We'll, but, but see, we got that backwards. Patience waits. Long suffering is, is just that long suffering putting up. It's waiting, but, but, but kindness can't wait. Kindness is to be done now. Drummond, he, he reminds us in the book here, he talks about how often Jesus did good. And Acts 10, 38 says that Jesus went about doing good, healing all that were oppressed of the devil, for God was with him. We have it. I put this out there for you yesterday. You've got it on your bulletin now. We all have it in our power to be kind to those around us. We choose whether or not to exercise that power. Oh, we have the ability. We just have to decide whether or not we're going to use it. So we looked last week at the question, how many of us want to be happy? I know a lot of you were happy because you were on your last week of vacation. God bless you. Welcome home. For the rest of us, we were here. How many of you want to be happy? Three or four of us. The rest of y'all know what's wrong with you. I really want to be happy. You know, that, that's kind of the search thing in life is that everybody wants to be happy. And there is a solution to being happy. Anybody want it? Anybody want it? Love God, love people. That's the simplest form. You want to be happy. Love God, 
Love, what, what is most of our frustrations? People. Thank you. I'm glad I don't want to live in that world. But if I love people, then I'm not frustrated by them, am I? That means loving people through their ignorance. Everybody can't be as smart as you. Lo loving people through their mistakes. Loving people through, through their, their, their bitterness. It, it really is that simple. If we want to be happy, love God, love people. See, we spend so much time looking in the wrong place for happiness. We think happiness is hid behind what I want, what I can get, what I can have. We spend so much time searching for happiness in the things that we're trying to get. But happiness isn't in what we can get. It's what we can give. Here's your one from, from the book. See, but Dr Drummond's got some things right here. The, the truth is, no, no matter what we get, we're never going to be happy. Right? You're going to be happy at the moment. I mean, when, when FedEx or somebody shows up at your door and brings your package, you're happy for a moment until you put it on its wrong size. You used to wear that size. Or it ain't the color like it looked like on your phone. And also, it ain't happy no more. But you ordered, and it's exactly what you ordered. And I'm happy for the moment. But now I got to go right back because that wasn't everything I wanted, right? That's something I wanted. So it gave a momentary pause of happiness. But we're never going to get everything that we want. Drummond says the most obvious lesson that Christ teaches is that there's no happiness in having and getting, but only in giving. He says this, I love this. Half the world is on the wrong scent in pursuit of happiness. How many of you know what he's talking about? Anybody here work with some dogs? I love this guy's analogy, because we were up training some bird dogs. You know, bird dogs, they start out, you train them, they point at butterflies, they point at anything that moves, because they're doing by sight. But then you start teaching them scent. I can tell you from experience, I don't know what it is about a rabbit and a rattlesnake, but those two things smell somewhat like a quail, some kind of way to a dog. I know, because they'll point both when they're puppies and they're young. And one of them about got me bit, because I kicked a rattlesnake trying to get a bush to fly out, a bird to fly out of a bush. So, so I know what he's talking about on the wrong scent. That's not the sin I was looking for. Anybody know about tracking dogs? You, you need to track. Some of you coon hunters. Who, who are y'all coon hunters? Any coon hunters in here? Been a while? Not, not too many. See, that shows I don't coon hunt because people don't hang around. I don't talk about it enough. That's people that stay all night to listen to dogs barking. They never made sense to me. But I do know about a scent trail. I know about tracking dogs. You get on the wrong scent, you find the wrong thing. Listen, you ain't careful. You think you're tracking down a raccoon, you catch a skunk. The right scent trail is pretty important, right? And, and that's what he says. Half the world is living on the wrong scent. They're living on the wrong track. They're on the wrong trail in pursuit of happiness. They think that it consists of having and getting and being served by others. But Jesus said, he that would be great among you, let him serve. Bottom line, love is kind. It's that simple. If we want to be like Christ, we got to love others. And if we love others, we'll be kind to others. Paul says that love envieth not. The Greek word there includes envy and jealousy. Envy desires to, to deprive somebody of something. Jealousy simply means I want what somebody else has got. 
Jealousy simply means they either have something I want or they're getting patted on the back and I want a pat on the back. It's simply desiring something for somebody else. Can I just go ahead and plug something in right here and not offend anybody on Sunday morning and just tell you that's the church? That, that kind of garbage takes place in, in the church, in, in the fellowship among brethren. That jealousy and, and that stuff is a problem among church leaders. It is a problem among church musicians. It is a problem among church fellowship, church membership. People envious or jealous of what somebody else is doing or what some other church is doing. Listen, the sad thing is that churches will tear other churches down over that garbage. Just like Christians will tear down other Christians over that garbage. Man, I didn't write it down. I just happened to think I read a, an old Chinese proverb this week. For those, those who say it's impossible, stay out of the way of the ones doing it. See, it's not impossible to love people. It's not impossible to be kind. It's not impossible to do ministries to reach out and try to change the world. But if we're not going to plug in and help them, then just stay out of their way. Tearing somebody else down does not improve your own image. I read a really good quote about that two or three weeks ago. I couldn't find it. But I did find this. Linda Kenny says, love doesn't tear down others to make it feel better about itself. Love is thankful for what God is doing through others. So Paul says, Love doesn't envy. And then he says that love vaunteth not itself. That would be humility. We know the word of God says that God resisteth the proud. So, so that verse is dealing with the bragger. You know that somebody's just always got to tell everybody what they're doing. They just got to make sure that everybody knows what they got going on. Some people that, that feel a need to, to vaunt themselves according to that scripture, they're, they're just struggling with some self-confidence issues. They, they just feel like they got to make sure that everybody else knows what they're doing so they can feel good about themselves. Paul says, love's not like that. This one isn't on your bulletin. For those of you note takers, I wish it would have been. I just, I just came up with this yesterday, so I don't have time to go out and put it in your bulletin if you want to write it down. Love doesn't feel the need to impress other people. I'm giving you time to write for those that want to. That's part one. Love doesn't feel the need to impress other people, but to bless other people. Boy, there's a big difference. Then at the conclusion... Of verse number four, Paul says that, that love's not puffed up. That's somebody that thinks they're more necessary than they really are. Uh-oh. John Phillips says it like this. It is someone who has an exaggerated idea of their own importance. Verse number five, Paul says, Love doesn't behave itself unseemly, seeketh not her own, not easily provoked, thinketh no evil. In, in, in other words, love doesn't display inappropriate behavior. It's not provoked to anger at, at the drop of a hat. Verse number six, love rejoiceth not in iniquity, rejoiceth in the truth, beareth all things, believeth all things, hopeth all things, endureth all things. Verse number eight, Paul made that final statement there about love, and he enters into a completely different realm of teaching. He lists the gifts of the Spirit, and he talks about all these spirits can and will fail. Not that they'll fail as in they didn't work, but they'll come to an end. Prophecy will come to an end. When prophecy is fulfilled, it's no longer prophecy, it's fulfillment. And one day all prophecy will be fulfilled. So he's not saying that these things will fail as in it means they won't work. He means that every other thing mentioned in all those, they will serve their purpose. They will complete their duty and we will move on. But love will never fail. There will never be a time when love ends. Now, obviously, I'm, I'm not going to cover all that Paul's got here in the letter. It would be incredibly long, or it'd be about three different messages, and I don't know. Maybe there's another one. But 
I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give you a little bit from the book. You can decide if you want to buy this little 55-page pamphlet. So, so Drummond says, Religion is not a strange or added thing, but the inspiration of secular life. The breathing of the eternal spirit through this temporal world. The supreme thing is not a thing at all. But it's the giving of words and acts which make up the sum of every common day. Love is kindness. Kindness is love. Doing good turns people. There's only one thing greater than happiness in this world, and that's holiness. And it's not in our keeping. What God has put in our power is the happiness of those about us. And it is secured largely by our being kind to them. Now, here's one, you guys, you missed one up there in your outline. You can go back and put it in. It got moved down in the message. The greatest thing someone can do for his heavenly father is to be kind to his other children. I wonder why it is that we're not all kinder than we are. How much the world needs it and how easily it's done. How instantaneously it acts. How infallibly it is remembered. How super abundantly it pays itself back. Love is success. Love is happiness. Love is life. Where love is, God is. He that dwelleth in love dwelleth in God, for God is love. Therefore, love. Without distinction, without calculation, without procrastination, love. I shall pass through this world but once. Any good that I can do or any kindness I can show, let me do it now. Let me not neglect it nor defer it, for I shall not pass this way again. If we're going to be like Christ, then we must love. For the character of Christ is built around love. In the final chapter, he says, to love abundantly is to live abundantly. To love forever is to live forever. See, we're not going to reach this community until we love them enough to care about them. We're not going to reach the lost. We're not going to reach the hurting. We're not going to reach the, the, the ones that, that are in, in need until they Know that we love them. Listen, we're not going to reach our neighbors. We're not going to reach our friends and our co-workers and those around. We're not going to reach our, only, our own family members. Uh, except that, that we love them with an unconditional love. Not love them the way we think they ought to be. Uh-oh. Not, not love them the way we think they ought to act. Not love them the way that, that we want them to be, but love them where they are the same way Christ loved me. How many of you, when Christ found you, he found a mess? How many of you, he still loves a mess, but he's working on us, praise God. He ain't give up on us. I don't know why, but he hadn't. The only reason I can tell you he hadn't quit and never will quit on me is because he loves me too much to leave me the way he found me. He loves me too much to leave me out there. It is his desire to make me in the image of Christ. So we're not to try to find people and how we want them to be. We're to love people just like they are. But we got to love people enough to tell them about Jesus. I appreciate you inviting people to church. Man, you guys come on up. I appreciate you inviting people to church. That's always a good point. That's always a good strong point. We do want to invite people to church. That's not our first priority. Church won't change you. Jesus will. I said church won't change you. Jesus will. Jesus changes here so that we want to be here. So that we worship him together here. This isn't the magic pill. 
The magic pill is Jesus Christ. That's why we're here. That's what we come. So we, we've got to love people. We've got to love people enough to tell them about Jesus. Theodore Roosevelt is credited with being the first to have said it. I, I, I don't know. It, it is said that um, John C. Maxwell made it popular. I know Pastor Benny Tate said it on this stage. Pastor Benny Tate over at Rock Springs, he says this all the time. It's there on your bulletin as well. He says, people don't care how much you know until they know how much you care. See, even in the scripture, love covers a multitude of sins. But, but it, it is the absolute highway by which relationships must be built if we're going to make a difference in the lives of others. If each one of us, you know, the Bible says we're to examine ourselves. We're, we're supposed to behold ourselves. Remember, we take a look at the thing. If, if each one of us were, were to look at our own lives right here and ask ourselves the questions, am I following what Christ said? Am I loving people the way Christ told me to love people? Am I loving my enemy, the one who speaks against me, talks about me, speaks all manner of evil against me, does things, backstab? Am, am, I, am I loving that person? And, and see, I told y'all, we're going to y'all Sunday school lesson again because Scott talked about it. Here, here's the truth. Now, I'm not going to yawn and make everybody yawn. Those of you in class know what I'm talking about. You don't have to love them enough to be buddy-buddy. You, you don't have to love them enough to call them up and say, hey, man, how about come over to the house, let's have dinner. Number one, if they've made themselves your enemy, they're not coming anyway. You don't, you don't have to love them enough to create this artificial relationship. You just have to love them enough to pray for them. And mean it. I've told you about my ridiculous prayers. God kill them, do something. I, you know, I hate them. Just don't let them go blind. I prayed that. Just don't let them go blind. They got diabetes. Don't let them go blind. I can't stand them. Kill them if you want to. Get them out of my sight. Isn't it, isn't it amazing that God puts up with our ridiculous prayers? But all I cared was enough that I just didn't want them to go blind. And then God began to do some things in me. So we, we don't have to love them enough to, to be all buddy-buddy. Just got to love them enough to pray for them. And, and if we pray for them, regardless of what their attitude is toward us, they, they, they can't change that. They can't understand how you love them. The world has no defense for that. You spit things back at them, they can spit at you again. You shout things back, they can shout things back again. You, you, you throw curse words their way, they can throw curse words back your way. You throw a punch, they can throw a punch. They understand all that. You say, I just love you enough, I'm going to pray for you. They don't understand that. The world and the devil has absolutely no defense against that. I, I promise I'm done. See, here's reality. Jesus set the bar high at Calvary. Jesus set the bar high when he looked down at the Roman soldier that drove the nail in his hand. And he, and he looked down here at the Pharisees, the, the Jewish elite. The religious leaders of society. The ones who spit on him when he walked down the Via Della Rosa. Jesus set the bar high when he looked at all those people and he said, Father, forgive them. They don't know what they do. <laughs> Jesus set the bar high 
when he allowed them to put him on that cross so that while we were yet sinners, Christ died. See, Jesus set the bar high for us, but he didn't set the bar so high that he can't take us there. He probably set the bar so high, I can't reach it. He set it so high that you and I can't reach it, but he did not set the bar so high that he can't take us there. If we want to love others, we got to love God first and put everything in and let God take Saul and, and the old pass away and create an apostle Paul so that all things become new, so that we can make a difference in the lives of people around us. That's how we're going to reach the lost world. That's how we're going to reach the lost community. Not by beating them over the head and telling them, you need to go to church, you need to dress like this, you need to act like this. You need to know, know what they need to know is, hey, man, we love you. We love you the same way God loves us, unconditionally. Be the hands and feet of Jesus and do what we can to try to help people. Amen. I want to ask you guys to stand where you are. They're going to sing a song. I, I would ask you if, if you, if you, where you are or in the altar, however you want. But would you, would you pray together with me? God, help us love people. God, help us, help us love people. Anybody need help loving people? I need help loving people. Help, help me as a person, help us as a church to just love people. Can we, can we pray for that? I know God honors prayer. Go ahead, guys.